Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. Good morning, church family. Hey, just wanted to start off by saying thank you for being a gracious uh, church body. I am way behind in answering uh, emails, text messages. We had to cancel last Wednesday's equip course, and we're actually going to cancel this one. We'll fire back up on the 21st, but it's all because of a health battle I've been going through um, as of the past couple years, and this one was the worst, but Sunday after church, I ended up in the ER. Steve Stucker took me, and I ended up with blood pressure of about 190 over 110 that we couldn't get down for days, and a heart rate of about 150 beats a minute, and then once that kind of subsides, I'm just wiped out for about two weeks. Um, So that's just kind of where we're at. So I'm going to ask you to be gracious this morning. If anything I say comes out coherent, all the glory um, back to the Lord for sure. So that's just kind of where we're at. And there's just been attacks on the family um, outside of the physical part. So if you could just keep praying for uh, us there, that would be be great. So thanks. Um, So we're going to get the focus back on Jesus. So let me just spend a moment. I'm going to pray for us. Just ask the Lord to bless our time uh, together. And I'm excited about where we're at as you see what God does, even with fiery trials uh, in our lives. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this morning. Lord Jesus, we're thankful that you are that one that walks in the fire with us. And uh, although we have no guarantees of being rescued from it, um, Lord, we know that one way or another you deliver your people. And so, Lord, we're thankful for that. Lord Jesus, we love you and we praise you. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we all pray together. Amen. Well, last week, uh, we saw that by the time you get to Daniel chapter 3, from Daniel 2 to 3, 20 years have passed. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar gets this vision in a dream of this statue that's the head of gold. That's Babylon. He sees Medo-Persia as the chest of silver. He sees Greece as the belly and thighs of bronze. And then he sees Rome as the feet of iron and clay. And after getting that uh, interpretation of the dream from Daniel, he recognizes something special about the God that Daniel serves. And he makes this claim to worship God Almighty. However, as we discover after 20 years of dwelling on this, he thinks, you know what? I'm not okay with God being worshiped. I want to be the one that's worshiped. He erects a statue that's about 90 feet high by nine feet wide, uh, made of all gold, stuck right there on the plains of Dura. Uh, in Babylon, and it made me think back to this story. Back in the 1960s, uh, there was a guy who was a leader of a terrorist organization. He wanted the violent overthrow of America, and when he knew he got caught, he escaped the police and he became an exile in France. Well, while he was in France, he supposedly saw the face of Jesus in a cloud, got saved, came back to America, admitted to what he had done, and then wanted to tell the world about his conversion. And the Christian world freaked out and started telling everybody. And we do that with celebrities sometimes. We get all excited because a person claims to be a man of faith, even though we really don't know what that means. And I would say when somebody makes that claim, there needs to be a time of testing to see if they're following the real Jesus. Because What happened with this man is that we found out that he actually joined a group called the Moonies, who was run by a guy named Sun Myung Moon. If you don't know much about Sun Myung Moon and the Moonies, um, they deny the deity of Jesus, they deny the attributes of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they engage in a lot of New Age 
practices and ideologies, and Sun Myung Moon himself actually calls himself the Messiah, that he is actually the incarnation of Jesus, and that his wife is actually the incarnation of the Holy Spirit. I bring all that up because uh, undoubtedly some of the Jewish believers might have got excited about what they heard from Nebuchadnezzar, only to find out that this really was a false profession of faith. Now hang in there, because I really do think that Nebuchadnezzar eventually starts following the Lord, but what we're seeing with Nebuchadnezzar is when things are well and God does what I want, I'm going to follow him. But then when I don't feel like I need him anymore, I'm God again, and I'm going to build my own kingdom, I'm going to build my own statue that I want everybody to worship. And there's a lot to be learned from Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, There's a lot to be learned from the three young men that we're about to read about today. I will tell you then about my dozen years or so of youth ministry, I saw this happen over and over again, but we go to camp for a week, you get really excited, you hear these amazing camp conversion experiences at the end of camp, and then you go back home and about a week later, if there isn't good follow-up and good discipleship, you end up finding young men and women doing the exact same thing uh, all over again. So what happened with Neb? I'm going to just give you a little recap from last week. Remember again, he gets this vision of this statue and... He gets the interpretation from Daniel, and he claims to worship the Lord. Twenty years pass, we end up finding out that he's not worshiping the Lord. He erects this statue, and it's probably well over 100,000 people that are called to gather together to bow down at this statue whenever the music plays and to worship him. And everybody does it, except three. When you're three of over 100,000, you stick out like a sore thumb. And they get brought in before Nebuchadnezzar, and they had obviously gained some favor with Nebuchadnezzar, because instead of having them killed immediately, he gives them a second chance. Hey, gang, we're going to play the music again, and if you bow down and you worship, then we'll let you go free. If not, there's going to be hell to pay. And the same thing is happening to believers today, 2,600 years later. You need to bow down and worship the gods that we worship, you need to celebrate the evil that we celebrate or else we will throw you in the fire. The question that we have to ask ourselves today is are we okay with being thrown in the fire? There's good news. There's some great results that come out of standing for the Lord and being willing to be thrown in the fire. We're going to take a look at those quite a bit today. Remember, over 100,000 probably bow. Three stand in honor of the king. Would you all mind joining me in standing in honor of the king? We're going to read Daniel chapter 3, verses 19 through 30. It says that Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it usually was heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning fiery furnace because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated. The flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. 
Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other god who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Thank you, gang. As is our custom, if you walk away with one thing this morning, note this, that faith in the furnace is often where God ends up getting exalted and his enemies are also extinguished. We're about to discover shortly that it's oftentimes when we're placed in situations where we can't do anything to get ourselves out of it, that God gets the most glory, that he ends up being exalted. I believe that's exactly why he puts us in impossible situations. Y'all remember the story of the Exodus? Pharaoh wouldn't let the people go, so God sends all of these plagues, and finally after the last one, he says, go. And they get released. And they're probably thinking to themselves, we're finally free, and then they come up to the Red Sea, because for some reason, that's the direction God directed them. We know the reason. And then they're stuck between the Red Sea and, uh-oh, here comes the Egyptian army. What options we have? Be slaughtered by the Egyptians or drown in the Red Sea? However, what we discover is that God actually put them there on purpose so that he could be the one who gets the glory. Now, again, they don't know if they're going to be rescued or not. Undoubtedly, there's probably some that trusted and some that completely doubted. I would pray that regardless of whether or not we get rescued, we trust the Lord no matter what. But how do we get there? Well, this is what we started last week. So I'm just going to do a brief recap from last week. In Daniel chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, the first thing that we see is that they were able to stand because they wouldn't bow due to their devotion to God. They had devoted their entire lives to God at a very early age. Remember, when Daniel first starts the book of Daniel, it's 605 BC. Daniel and then Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, who we now know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were 14 years old. And so they had been taught at a very early age what it meant to stand for Yahweh. I'm praying that we start with our kids at a very early age. If you haven't, it's never too late to start discipling your kids and bringing them to a place where not only do they know what they believe about Jesus, but they know in depth why they believe it and they know how to live it out. That's something that we talk about a lot as a staff around here, that every time we preach, we teach, we have an encounter with somebody, and we talk about Jesus, we should always be portraying three things. What we believe, people should know what we believe about creation, about God's promises, about Jesus coming and dying on a cross, about his resurrection from the dead, about his second coming. That's the what, but then they should also know why. I think I've told you this before, but I'm fired up about this book. Not just because of what it says, but why? Why do we believe it? Did you know that all the evidence lies in your favor as a follower of Jesus? I love getting into conversations with people that look at me and go, you're just one of those dumb dotes who believes that some pie in the sky, God created everything. Well, let's think of the alternative. 
Remember the alternative. Absolutely nothing created absolutely everything with beauty, order, without the chaos. Well, chaos now because of sin. We take a look at a microscope or and, and through a microscope and we take a look at the amazing complexity of our bodies, everything from DNA to blood cells to proteins. Take a look at the way the body works through a microscope and then we start to take a look at a telescope. And not only do we have billions of stars, but we have billions of galaxies all functioning in such a way that they don't destroy themselves. Our earth in just the right place on the arm of a spiral galaxy in the Milky Way in just the right or has just the right atmosphere to sustain life so that we can be here. Just take a look at all those complexities. And we want to sit back and say that, well, it all just happened. Nothing brought about everything. In fact, actually, it came about from an explosion. Which, if I'm a scientist and I'm experimenting, has any of you all ever blown anything up before? <laughs> Have you ever noticed what comes out of it? Destruction, not life. Therefore, I would say... Of all the people in the world, we should be the most intellectual. I'm going to push us a little bit this morning and say that we of all people should not be lazy. We need to know what we believe about God's word and God's world. We need to know why we believe in God's word and the way God operates in the world. We, know how, we need to know how to live out God's word and how to live that out in God's world. Those are all things that are extremely important for us. They were devoted to God. They knew his word. They knew what his word says. The second thing was they would not bend due to their conviction in God. Remember the word conviction comes from being convinced. Are you convinced of what you believe, why you believe it, and how to live it? If not, let's get ourselves equipped. Let's be ready for that battle. And then here's the third thing, and we just read about it this morning. They would not burn due to their conviction from God. Let me again reiterate that that does not mean that they knew that they were going to get thrown into this furnace and be rescued. They thought they very well might be fried and end up in heaven. But they knew because of that coming Messiah that they were believing in, because of Yahweh, the God of the universe, they were completely protected. They were completely covered spiritually. Because again, remember, we're all going down. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they died a long time ago. They may have made it to their 80s or 90s, but nonetheless, they still died. It was probably just 50 years later than what they originally thought they were going to die. But nonetheless, it came. They've been dead for a long time. And I'll tell you what, they don't regret where they're at now. They don't regret being with the Lord. They don't regret getting to see that Jesus that had been written about and talked about because they knew they wouldn't burn. The Old Testament is fascinating when you read what happens in the temple. They have the altar laid out in the temple and the priest or the high priest. Thanks, brother. The priest or the high priest would come out and he would offer sacrifices, animal sacrifices on the altar. And when he would offer that sacrifice, he would pour the blood upon the altar. The altar was symbolic of where all the sins of Israel and those that were part of the worship service was, was at. And by pouring the blood upon the altar, it symbolized what God was seeing was that substitutionary sacrifice, the blood of the substitutionary sacrifice, instead of seeing the sins of those that have been committed by the people of Israel and those at the worship service. Praise God that centuries later, the Lamb of God, the perfect Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world had come and his blood covers all of our sin, past, present, and future. Our sin has been atoned for and now when God the Father looks at us, he doesn't see us. Aren't you glad he doesn't see Dave or Joe or Bob or Susie or Mary? Aren't you glad? 
Because instead what he sees is he sees Jesus and that's how we get into heaven. Now for those that are willing to stand for this Jesus that paid the ultimate sacrifice for us, there are some results that take place. And here's what they are. I'm not going to read the whole passage again because it's fairly long, but there's going to be selected verses we're going to take a look at in this passage. Here's the first result that we see when it comes to standing in times of testing. In verse 22, it says, Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The enemies of God's people were executed. That doesn't sound too happy, but you know what? There is something placed within each of us that says there should be justice. There's got to be justice, and one day there will be. Do you know that Daniel is quite prophetic? Daniel points forward to what's going to happen at the second coming of Christ. One day, God's people are going to be fully rescued, and God's enemies are going to be fully punished. In Revelation chapter 19, at the second coming, things don't look good for God's people by the time you get to the end of the seven-year tribulation. But yet Jesus comes riding on a white horse and the armies following him, which are the church and angels riding on white horses coming with him, and we don't do anything, he just takes out all the enemies. Then he sets up what's called the thousand-year reign of Christ that we studied in Revelation chapter 20, and he reigns for a thousand years. During that thousand years, Satan is bound in the abyss. But at the end of the thousand years, Jesus allows him to be released one more time where he tries to wreak havoc. And when he does go to wreak havoc, it doesn't look good for God's people. It looks like once again they're doomed, and yet once again Jesus comes through. Let me read about it. It's in Revelation chapter 20. It's verses 7 through 10. It says, And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea, and they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them, and the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Do you notice that the first part of this passage, things don't look good? God's people are surrounded. It looks like they're going to be wiped out. It looks like they're going to be taken down. And then here comes Jesus, who once again makes clear that there isn't anything the enemy can do to thwart the plans that he's got. The Apostle Paul makes this clear. He writes a lot of his letters under persecution or in prison. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, those are some of his prison epistles. 1 Timothy, Titus, 2 Timothy, those are written during his final imprisonment before he's executed. Well, Colossians chapter 1, that's one of those books that's written while he's under house arrest. And in Colossians 1, verses 9 through 14, he writes this, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Interestingly enough, Paul is writing this from a place of probably literal darkness. 
He's not getting much when it comes to food. He's got Roman guards that probably beat him up for fun. And yet he writes about how he's been transferred from the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption. Paul writes even from prison that he's free. Well, there's another thing that we learn when it comes to what God can do through fiery trials. Look with me if you would at verse 25. It says, he answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Notice that the bonds of God's people were eliminated. The very things that shackled them got eliminated. Now, it's interesting that their bodies, their clothes, anything that belonged to the Lord was unscathed. What's the only thing that got burned when they got thrown in the fire? The ropes that belonged to Babylon. What a great lesson for us. All the things of the world will burn. Money, houses, cars, even the current planet that we live on is going to get replaced with a brand new heaven, a brand new earth, brand new holy city, Jerusalem. Great lesson when we learn that the things of this world will be burned up with a fervent heat, but the things of God's word will last forever. And when we see this happen time and time again, when we look back at biblical history, when we look back at mankind's history, we discover a third thing, and that is that the heart of God's people is emboldened. Remember, three got thrown in the fire, but yet they see a fourth person walking with them. I believe that this has happened multiple times in Scripture. I believe that Jesus appeared on the scene before he was actually born in a manger in Bethlehem. I think one of the times that Jesus appeared on the scene was when he walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden. I think that was the pre-incarnate Christ. I think that before Enoch was taken up into heaven, Jesus walked with him. I think when Jacob had that wrestling match, it may have very well been the pre-incarnate Jesus. I think that he is the one that spoke to Moses in the burning bush. Y'all remember Isaiah's? Vision in the temple in Isaiah chapter 6, where God's glory fills the temple, I think that was Jesus. And I think right here in Daniel chapter 3, when he walks with these three young men, that that's the pre-incarnate Jesus. Really begins to answer a question, where is Jesus when I'm hurting? Where is Jesus when I'm sick? Where is Jesus when I'm going through a relational issue? Where is Jesus when I lose my job? Where is Jesus when the economy is crashing? Where is Jesus when things are going great? Where is Jesus when I am prospering? Where is Jesus when things are going well in my marriage and with my kids? Same place every single time, right next to you. Same place he was when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the fire. By the way, did you know that Jesus was walking with them before they got in the fire? It's only after they got in the fire that others noticed that. See, I think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego already knew that the Lord was walking with them. I think that fourth man walking in the fire, yes, that emboldened Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but I think it also made something clear to those that weren't believers. Listen, how we conduct our lives and whether or not we honestly believe that Jesus really is who he said he is, God in flesh, who died on a cross, rose again, and is walking with us, how we live our lives will tell the world whether or not we really believe that. 
And I believe that as we walk with Jesus, as we bring him the honor and glory that he deserves, it's going to lead to the fourth thing in our lives just like it did in theirs. Look at verse 28, Daniel chapter 3, verse 28. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. The God of God's people was exalted. Now, more times than not, you're going to get haters. My wife and both my daughters, McKenna and Kaylin, post stuff on Facebook or Instagram constantly about the goodness of God. And sometimes even post some things that are going to make people upset because it's about the goodness of God and His Word. And people will get angry and they'll post some pretty nasty stuff in return. But every once in a while... You get that person that'll have those questions or begin to exalt God. And even if we don't know of anybody that ends up exalting God, we are called to. Remember, the results are not up to us. So don't get worn down. Don't get beaten down. The enemy would love that. He tries to beat you down. The demonic world will try to beat you down. But just keep exalting the Lord. And when you do, the fifth thing might happen. Look at verse 30. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. The influence of God's people was enlarged. Now again, let me reiterate what this means, and, and I want you to, to see this and pay attention to this closely. The influence of God's people were enlarged. That doesn't mean their prosperity was enlarged. It doesn't mean that their comfort was enlarged. Their influence, their ability to speak into the culture was enlarged. Did you know that we actually have a culture that's looking for something of substance, they just don't know where to find it? The more and more I talk to people, even unbelievers, they're looking to see whether or not what we proclaim is actually true, even though it may come back as vitriol and as hatred. Just keep preaching the gospel. As we are going to take a look at in the weeks to come, I'm going to spoil it a little bit for you. But there's this guy named King Darius, who was the king of the Medo-Persians that we're going to read about in Daniel chapter 5. He throws this party, and as he throws this party, he's using the vessels from God's temple to start to, to have this drunken orgy. God doesn't take lightly his name being profaned. So he starts to write on the wall with this disembodied hand. And as he begins to do that, he's trying to get a message across to King Darius. Well, while all of this is happening, what we notice is Daniel's not there. He's probably off doing the king's business. Well, once things go south, who do they call for? Hey, we've heard about this Daniel who's probably been in exile for about a decade, maybe thought his life was done with and his being used by God was done with, only to find out about a decade later now that he's in his 80s. See, I'm totally ruining the sermon for you in a few weeks, but I've been reading ahead. Here comes Daniel. Daniel doesn't get invited to the party, but he gets invited into the problem. The world has done a fabulous job of living in evil and therefore creating problems for themselves. And guess what happens when people start to fall into problems? Let's go see if those people that say they believe in this God are actually saying anything of substance. Keep plugging away. Because when you do, God gets glorified, you get grown. And we also get tested to see how faithful we're being. 
I love it when we are faithful. God as a loving father rewards us. Maybe not this side of heaven, but we have rewards coming. I also love that God loves me so much that when I'm unfaithful, he disciplines and corrects me so I don't head down that same path of destruction for my entire life. Now, some listen and some don't. My prayer for all of us is that when we are faithful and we get rewarded, continue to be faithful. And by the way, again, when I say rewarded, I'm not talking this side of heaven. You might, and I'm not even saying that rewards this side of heaven are bad, but man, the rewards the other side of heaven are going to be so much better because they're going to be forever. When you are a foolish, unfaithful person, which none of you in this room are, I'm just just talking about myself. I'm so glad that God doesn't give up on us and he loves us, no matter what. I want to close this morning with a man who was just like Daniel. He was just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He refused to cave to an emperor, to an evil emperor. If you guys don't know his name, he's one of the early church fathers. He lived from 347 to 407 AD. He died at about the age of 60. His name was John Chrysostom. John Chrysostom, as a very young Christian, uh, we don't know for sure how old he was, but probably around the age of 18, 19, 20 years old, he was brought before the emperor. And the emperor looked at him and said, if you will not give up Christ and worship me, I will banish you from the country your father's land. To which Chrysostom replied, you cannot, the whole world is my father's land, so there's nowhere you can banish me. So the emperor said, fine, then I'll take away your property. Chrysostom said, you cannot, my treasures are in heaven. The emperor, getting frustrated, said, fine, then I will take you to a place where there is not a friend to speak to for the rest of your life, to which Chrysostom responded, you cannot. I have a friend who sticketh closer than a brother, I shall have my brother Jesus Christ forever. The emperor finally threatened, fine, then I will take away your life. To which Chrysostom replied, you cannot, my life is hid with God in Christ. What could the emperor do with a man like that? I want to close this morning with telling you that my prayer for our church body, not just this morning, but every day, is that we would be like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Chrysostom. The world doesn't know what the heck to do with us. What do we do with people like that? Well, here's the good news. The world might not know what to do with you, but Jesus does. And so I'm thankful that he has got a wonderful plan for those that are willing to walk with him, to stick with him. We need more people like those individuals that I just mentioned now than ever before. We are getting closer and closer, I believe, as you study biblical prophecy to Jesus snatching us out of here and then God's judgment upon the earth is going to be poured out. I'm praying that until that time comes or the Lord takes us home via death that we would continue to proclaim his greatness, his goodness, his excellence, his majesty because there's nothing better. People are going to freak out today over either the Kansas City Chiefs or the San Francisco 49ers. They don't hold a candle to our Jesus Why would we not, as a church body, freak out way more over Jesus than the Kansas City Chiefs or the San Francisco 49ers? Amen? Amen. Let me just spend a moment and let me pray for us, and then we will get sent out of here to go bring Albuquerque Jesus. Lord Jesus, we come before you and thank you for this morning. We're thankful that regardless of what we go through, regardless of the fire that we get thrown into, we are thankful that you walk through it with us. Lord Jesus, we are thankful 
that after you created us and we sinned against you, you still put into action and put a plan into place to where you would save us from the sin that we couldn't save ourselves from. Lord, we are thankful that you are far greater than the enemy, that he doesn't stand a chance, and Lord, he recognizes that, so he will try to wreak as much havoc as he can prior to you taking us home. But Lord, in the meantime, would we bring you honor and glory regardless of consequence? May we live our lives absent of if and just simply state that we will worship you no matter what. Lord, we're thankful that you have given us some amazing examples in Daniel, in Shadrach, in Meshach, in Abednego, in John Chrysostom. We think of others that have stood for your word throughout the history of mankind and paid dearly for it. But Lord, today would tell us that they would never give it up for anything in the world. Lord, we love you. We praise you for what you are doing in our midst. We thank you for what you're doing in our church body. Lord, I pray that you would continue to work in individuals, that you would continue to work in families, that we would see husbands and wives, fathers and mothers, grandparents, children, grandchildren, that would be so thoroughly equipped with your word, be so convinced of who you are, that there's nothing that could come our way that would deter us from following you and loving you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Would you remind us this morning of just how loved we are, and if we ever forget, may we continue to look back at the time that you walked with Adam and Eve, the time that you walked with Enoch, the time that you showed up to Isaiah, the time that you walked with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or the time that you came to earth and went to the cross and died for us. Would you remind us that before you ascended into heaven, you promised to never leave us, to never forsake us, that you'd be with us to the end of the age. May we lean on that promise. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we all pray together. Amen. Gang, that same Jesus that walked with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he walks with us today. So when you leave this place, regardless of what you're going to, know that Jesus walks through it and in it with you. Gang, this is a great day to go tell somebody about Jesus. Do it over food that's probably going to send you to be with him a lot faster during the Super Bowl. Have a good week. See you next week. This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. Have a great week.